Hello, you're listening to Yarns from the Plain, a podcast for knitters, crocheters, and anyone who loves to play with yarn. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Yarns from the Plain. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, well, welcome. Um, pull up your needles or your hook or your spindle or your spinning wheel or just a cup of coffee and sit back and relax and I hope you enjoy the show. So, what have you been up to since I spoke to you last? hope uh, you've had possibly a more productive time with your fibre than I have. Actually, that's not fair. I mean, I'll update you with uh, what's going on. doesn't look like I've done much, though. Um, for a cat update for those people who are interested, Lily is gaining weight and becoming feisty and has now actually, right now, <laughs> has her front paws on my left forearm, her back paws on my right forearm. I am resting my chin on her spine and uh, she's absolutely determined to get herself mangled up with the microphone again so uh, I think you can probably say that she's well on the road to recovery. She's got another vet appointment this week when I took her um, two weeks ago, coming well ten days ago. Um, he weighed her, he had weighed her when I went and collected her from the vets after her misadventures but had forgotten to write the weight down. Um, I think she had put a little bit of weight on by then but even then when he weighed her she was still only one at one kilo point eight five, which is just nothing really. Sorry, give her a kiss. Um, so, but I think she's put some waist on, and she's got a sparkle back in her eye, and she's bouncing, and she's trying to get involved in the microphone. So, you know, apologies if uh, if the audio quality, you know, disintegrates over the last uh, over the next little while. It will be the cat getting tangled with the microphone. Um, I've got the windows open as well. It's a really pleasant day, and there are birds in the back garden. So. If you hear some bird song, um, that could be, uh, you know, some background in there. That's possibly why she's so frisky, actually, because uh, the dining room window is open, so she's desperate to get out there and play with the birdies. In terms of uh, comments, thank you so much for all the people who've uh, contacted me or left comments um, over on the Podbean site or um, dropped a line in the Ravelry group. There's now over 110 people in the Ravelry group now. How cool is that? So, uh, you know hello hello to you all um just in addition to last week's episode as well i realized that after um when i was going through some photographs to load up the show notes i realized that i'd talked about all the things that i'd bought and i'd actually not mentioned some gorgeous oatmeal um blue face lester fiber that i'd got from the, the i can't say it from the from the thylacine uh, if you're not sure what a thylacine is, I think it's the proper name of a Tasmanian devil. I could be wrong there, and I do apologise if I am. But it's lovely fibre. It's oatmeal, blue face letter, like I say. Um, but it's been over-dyed in areas with sort of a lovely plum and damson colour. So it's really, really nice. I bought two braids of that at uh, 200, so that's 200 grams. But then realised that if I actually wanted to make anything you know, like possibly make a cardigan out of it, I'd possibly need another. So I managed to snaffle the last one of the same dye lot um, off the Etsy site um, later that week. So I'm sort of quite looking forward to that. I need to work out, though, how to spin yarn that's thick enough that when I Navajo ply it, it's going to be an hour in weight. 
uh, and I don't know that I've got enough control yet I'm still spinning very thinly and I don't know until I sort of try triple plying something of that thickness I've got no idea what it's going to come out like um, <laughs> I'm having a fun time spinning but I really have no control at the moment about what um, the finished yarn will be when I've plied it because I don't have any experience of what happens when I ply two together of a particular thickness or three together or whatever so th I mean that will come but I'll get there. the other thing that I failed to tell you about the um, Wonderwall Whale show was the knitting graffiti <sighs> I nipped the loo and in the cubicle that I'd chosen there was some actually it might have been crochet graffiti um, but anyway there was a small piece of fabric that had been knitted or crocheted at the moment I can't remember which how terrible is that and I've forgotten to come look at the picture and see um attached to the pipe from the cistern down to the pan so uh, with a little label on it which I now can't remember what it said but I think it was something about the graffiti and grannies um and it had been attached so I hope it's quite laugh that's my first ever piece of knitting graffiti that I've seen so I took photographs of it so I will supply you with photographs but I've forgotten about it when I um, recorded the show last time so in terms of non-knitting news you may have noticed that uh, the country did go to the polls on the 6th of May and on the 7th of May we woke up not really knowing what, if anything, was different. The Conservatives won more seats than um, any other party but didn't win enough seats to have an overall majority um, compared to all the other parties when you added them together. I've been explaining it to my children so that they can understand what was going on. So there was a period of uncertainty constitutionally if there is a hung parliament which is uh, what that's termed as then the incumbent prime minister has the right to stay and attempt to form a coalition government now gordon brown as incumbent prime minister actually didn't have the majority of party seats within the the parliament so that proved an interesting point um but last week the announcement came that the conservatives have formed a coalition with the liberal democrats and we now have our first coalition parliament for 70 years and our first peacetime coalition parliament for what well, i don't know 90 it'll be interesting to see if it works it's all very lovey-dovey at the moment nick and dave are virtually skipping down the street holding hands so we'll we'll see what happens i can imagine that there are unhappy party members from both the conservative party and the liberal democrats who don't like compromise and will feel that something essential from either party has been lost on the combination i await to see you know it they're all talking about it being a, a time for common sense and a time for putting aside party politics and focusing on how to run the country. So, you know, it sounds good on paper. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Like I say, the last coalition government was during the Second World War and was formed in 1940. And Winston Churchill, after Neville Chamberlain resigned, actually made his cabinet up of members of the Liberal Party, as it was then, and the Labour Party, as well as his own Conservative Party, and basically handpicked the best ministers for the job. But within a very short space of time after VE Day on the 8th of May 1945, the government was dissolved and Clement Attlee led the Labour Party to victory. So, and, and from what I understand, he'd actually, since they knew victory was within um, grasp in the war, had actually absented himself from um, government so that he could prepare to 
run an election campaign once the coalition had fallen apart and it fell apart very very quickly within a matter of six weeks I think so I don't know we'll see interesting interesting times so I think that's uh, pretty much it for um, what's happened in the last little while general chit chat uh, yesterday was spinning guild so um, I went there and had a good time spun quite a little bit on my spindles um, of some blue phase letter and tussa silk mix that I'm doing so it's very nice so that brings me smartly on to what's on my needles hooks spindles and wheel I've been plugging away at the spinning you know like I say both on the spindle and on the wheel sort of every now and again if I find myself with sort of 20 minutes to spare I'll go and um, get up there and do some spinning and I'm managing that that's maybe three slots a week um, so that's quite good so I am managing to spin continuous thread which is going to be I still can't get my head around that actually um, I think that's quite amazing that I'm spinning continuous thread um, and it's coming out thin and like I say one day I will work out how to control that um, but I haven't got any more finished yarn from when I spoke to you last uh, my obsession with 12 inch um, Afghan blocks continues um, as I think I mentioned last time I signed up for um, a swap called Baker's Dozen and actually I'm now in two groups of that because it's just like I can't leave them alone um, so I've done one square and mailed that off to um, one group's member of the month and obviously now I'm in two groups so I'm going to have two a month to do but I, I can probably whack out two a month um, if it's on worsted weight um, the one that I've just done was actually DK weight though so that took that took a little bit longer um, but never mind and I'm still plugging away at the uh, edging on crushing the edging on the blocks for the Shada blanket squares um, it's a slow process but we're getting there you know the end is in sight I'm hopefully going to be able to join them together soon in terms of knitting um, do you remember a, a couple of episodes ago I cast on for a pair of glovelets with the Jamie Possum paints DK um, well I finished them last weekend and they are gorgeous they're really snug they look um, far too small um, but actually when you put them on they're fine they are very simple you just knit them uh, in a rectangle and then seam them up one side um, leaving a space for the thumb and they're just so cozy they are absolutely gorgeous um, and and I, I don't know I quite fancy the idea of knitting a cardigan in it um, you know or, or the other thing that struck me this morning which is just so utterly bizarre and I don't know why I think I think I was thinking it because at the time I was um, in my dressing gown and uh, which finishes just below my knee and I slipped them on to admire them again and thought oh these are quite warm on my hands and I was thinking that my legs were quite cold um, that I was just struck with this concept of knitting some cabled leg warmers which is just really scary because why well you know I, I went through the 80s I don't need leg warmers they don't do anything for you when you've got slender legs. They certainly don't do anything for you when you've got thighs like shot putters. Uh, so there's a perish the thought. But anyway, um, I'll try and push that one to the back of my mind. Um, I also, this week, have pulled out a hibernating UFO from um, a basket upstairs. It's not quite finished yet, though. So um, I'm going to skim over that and not mention any more on that um, and just tell you more about it when I've finished it which hopefully should be in the next episode because I'm really not too far off it but I'm so excited to actually have it nearly finished is that really wrong to sort of tell you that I'm working on a UFO hibernating UFO and then not telling you what it is I'll tell you what I will 
I will offer up, um, if you leave a comment, have a, have a look at my hibernating um, things down at the bottom of my Ravelry page, if you're on Ravelry. Um, and have a little look and see if you can have a guess at what the hibernating UFO that I'm working on is. And if you leave a comment or go over onto the Ravelry group and tell me um, what you uh, think it is. And if anyone guesses the right answer, then um, I shall, I sh yeah, I shall offer up a prize. I have much gorgeous yarn that I bought because I love the colour of it, but actually thinking about it, I'm unlikely to use it. Uh, so I shall, um, yeah, I'm going to run a little competition. There you go. If you correctly guess which hibernating UFO I'm currently working on, I have not moved it back up to the top of my projects page, so there's no clue there. You know, enter it and uh, see if you can win something. And if there's more than one, then I shall have a random drawing. Um, I shall get my husband to pull something out of a hat. Um, so there you go. So you can either do that on the Podbean site. You can leave a comment there. Um, and I shall also put up current photographs of UFOs or current details of UFOs up on there as well. So that even if you're not on Ravelry, you won't be disadvantaged. There you go. That's fair, isn't it? Um, so you can have a look um, for details up there. Um, or leave me a comment in the Ravelry group page. There you go. So, on to the review. Well, I'm not reviewing a current book today, but I've decided to review a book that I've been using an awful lot in the last few months, which is Jan Eaton's 200 Crochet Blocks for Blankets, Throws and Afghans. Um, it's published by David and Charles. It was published in 2004. And the little uh, byline on the bottom of the... Uh, front cover says crochet squares to mix and match. Now I have obviously been doing a lot of crochet squares at the moment and I've been using this book an awful lot um, as a source. Um, within the book there's a lovely introduction that gives you lots of information about crocheting afghans, lots of information regarding colour and combinations to make different afghans. There are some ideas of whole afghans using four or five different patterns. Um, lots of information about colour. The All the examples within the book are done in DK weight yarn and make a six by six inch block. Now obviously when I've been using them, I, for a lot of them I've been using worsted weight yarn and then having to do some extra rounds in them. So for most of the blocks that I've actually done from it, or squares that I've done from it, have tended to be ones that I've worked in the round, um, rather than working back and forth to make a square that starts as a rectangle and grows into a square. But the last one that I did, the one with the DK weight for the Baker's Dozen Swap, I did use that. Um, I'm not quite sure how many of the different patterns that I've used at the moment, but I have used a, a lot in there. And I do find the instructions very easy to follow. I haven't yet found an error in any of the ones that I've tried to do. There are little codings against each pattern block that tell you how easy or difficult it is depending on how many crochet hooks there are. It gives you an indication of whether it's worked in the round or um, back and forth. And um, on I think virtually every page with a pattern on it gives you suggestions of blocks that work well together with it. Um, if you wanted to put them together to make um, an afghan that actually had some structure uh, and a pattern of certain blocks within it. 
There's a lot of information about the specific yarns that were used within the patterns, um, but also information about substituting. And there's a good how-to section at the back that actually goes to it on to explain each of the stitches in detail with good graphics to show you how to form them. I'm particularly fond of this book because actually it's all using UK crochet terms, but I'm fairly certain that there is a US version because I've had discussion on Ravelry boards um, regarding this book and it's got a different cover when it's referenced um, on Ravelry to the cover that I have. The, the squares are a different shade. So I'm assuming that's because there is a US version and a UK version. Um, because obviously, if you're not familiar with crochet, the stitches are formed in exactly the same way in but in the UK they have a different name to in the US so what um, US would call single crochet we call double crochet what US would call treble crochet we call it um, what they yeah what they call a double crochet we would call a treble crochet what they call a treble crochet we would call a double treble and so on so you know I, I can decipher them but I do, if I'm working from an American pattern, I do feel the need to I actually have to go and correct it all with a pencil because I can't, I can't interchange them in my head um, unless I'm sitting down and working a block entirely without stopping. Um, so I do like the fact that this is an English version and I just, you know, when I read double crochet, it's a double crochet, it's nothing else. I have only one gripe with this book, um, which is such a petty gripe, but it's... You know, it's a book I use an awful, awful lot. It's called 200 Crochet Blocks. So therefore the implication is that there are 200 different crochet blocks within it, yes? But no. There are actually 212 different listed blocks. But when you look at them carefully, they're not all different. The first 100 are all different patterns with different names. Um, but the... The 112 that finish the book are actually grouped in fours. So there's one pattern and then it shows you three further colour combinations using exactly the same pattern. So that you can see what it looks like with um, certain rounds in light as opposed to dark. Um, so what happens if you change the accents and, and the emphasis of light and dark rounds? What happens if you include some variegated yarn in there? Which is actually really good and really, really helpful but to my mind therefore should not be numbered as four separate blocks it's one block on just four different color combinations but that's how they've chosen to do it so there aren't actually 200 different block patterns within the book there's only 128 but i'm guessing 128 crochet blocks for blankets throws and afghans doesn't really roll off the tongue quite as well and even within those 128 there's some that are quite similar um, you know, the formation is, is exactly the same. It's just that one of them might have, it, you know, sort of a, a contrast stripe, a thin contrast stripe, and someone else might have three thin contrast stripes. So, uh, you know, it's not quite 200 blocks, and, and I don't know whether that's just me being a bit picky. Do you think that's me being a bit picky? I hope not. Anyway, so that was my review. 200 crochet blocks for blankets, throws and afghans. If you are ever considering um, investing in a book to help you make squares to make um, any blankets, throws, afghans, this one is well worth the money. I can't remember what I paid for it, but I got it um, quite straightforwardly from Amazon 
and it's I just find it a really really useful book okay on to something I really like well this might mean absolutely nothing to you um, or it might mean a lot but I grew up watching um, the BBC Young Musician of the Year competition um, every two years and this weekend happens to coincide with the final of it so something I really like is that competition BBC Young Musician competition it's been rebranded it's now called BBC Young Musician and then whatever the year is so this year it's unsurprisingly the BBC Young Musician 2010 competition for anyone who's not familiar with it the basic premise is that young people and I think they have to be no I'm not sure the age group I, I'm, I think they have to be 18 or under I'm not sure maybe it's up to 21 I don't know all of this year's contestants are 18 or under anyway all these years semi-finalists but the premise is that these uh, young people audition uh, and then go through to competitions based on the category of instrument so when I was a child there were four categories um, there are now five um, I think probably because the percussion and keyboards uh, percussion and, and piano have now been separated out I think when I was a child um, there was a woodwind section a brass section a string section and the percussion section which of course the piano fits in because it is a percussive instrument um, if you've ever seen the inside of a piano working then every time you press a key it makes a little hammer bash against a string within the the body of the piano but at some point over the recent years that has split so that there are now five categories um, category for woodwind, category for brass, category for keyboard, category for strings and category, category for percussion. I haven't watched the individual category finals this year. They've been on, as I think they have for the last few years, been on BBC Four, which is not um, a main terrestrial channel, but it is available within our digital service, our free digital services. I actually live in a region now that has no longer have analogue free-to-air signals that is only digital. But I tend to forget to look during the week on uh, BBC4. It's not something that I always automatically look at the pages of, which is a bit of a shame because there's some actually smashing programmes on there. If you're not familiar at all with um, BBC4, it is a sort, sort of arts, intellectually type channel, I suppose, I think. Anyway. I watched the semi-final this morning on the iPlayer. How cool is that? Through the Wii. <laughs> I've got it on the screen. I'm so sad. I just love my techno bits. But it was just the standard of the competition. It's just really, really high. The winner this year of the um, woodwind section was a flautist. And she was just, she made the most amazing piece. One of the pieces she made was um, inspired by African land snails. And it was called Spiral, I think it was Spiral Incantation, I think. Um, anyway, she was accompanied by a marimba player, so that was just, it was just wonderful, the most beautiful piece. Wonderful, wonderful. The, the um, brass section was won by a French horn player. You've got to admire anyone who can play an instrument where they've got to stick their hand in the, the I want to call it a funnel part, I'm sure there's a proper name for it. I'm, I just so love music and I'm so bad technically at describing it. The youngest competitor in the semi-finals was the string player who was playing the violin he was 14 really good um the pianist played the most beautiful chopin piece i can never remember the names of the pieces but it was lovely and the percussion it was just wonderful to see her she played the vibraphone 
another, it looked like a xylophone to me, but I'm not sure if it's a xylophone or marimbe, um, but a wooden-based instrument. Um, and then she played the drums with a Frank Zappa piece, which is just how cool is that? You know, this is obviously uh, a competition for classical uh, musicians, and she's playing Frank Zappa. How cool is that? And, you know, it was just, it was great. It was absolutely great. The, the quality um, of music these young people produce is just wonderful. I mean, I'm I adore music. I absolutely love music. I can listen to virtually any genre of music. I'm not over keen on that kind of acidy interpretive jazz that makes your teeth on edge. Uh, and I'm not over fond of garage, R&B, hip hop things. But, you know, I just, good music is good music. And it's just, it was just wonderful to watch those pieces today. And I just, I am so full of admiration for those students. They are all studying full time, you know, O levels or, well, not O levels, harsh, oh, me age there, GCSEs or A levels. So they're practicing three, four, five hours a day on top of a full workload. And, and their quality is just fantastic. So I watched the semi final. Um, so the final is tonight. Uh, on the BBC in approximately 50 minutes. It's going to be televised. I'm so looking forward to it. Um, the final is between the flautist, the violinist, and the pianist. Um, and the really interesting thing, which is nothing to do with anything really, but both the flautist and the pianist go to the same specialist music school in Watford, in Hertfordshire. Um, and my mum was happened to read the local paper from the town where I grew up in and it turns out that they are both involved in I think the festival chorus um, that's associated with my old school. Now we both originally thought that meant that they'd both attended um, my old school before they'd gone on to specialist music school but since one comes from Letchworth and one comes from London I suspect that that's not the case but it was just really interesting that they've both um, got a link to my old school. I was quite you know, quite impressed with that. So I'm really looking forward to that. I desperately hope the flautist wins. She just loves it. And apparently a flautist has never won the BBC Young Musician Competition. So apologies to all those of you if classical music is not your thing. But if it is your thing and there's any way you can get hold of this, um, watch it on the iPlayer or um, I don't know if BBC America shows this kind of stuff. But you know, it's just wonderful to see young people with such a passion for beautifully played classical music. Lovely. Warms my heart. And anyway, I'm going to finish up now with some information about some upcoming events. First off is uh, next weekend, the Cheshire Guild of Spinners, Weavers and Dyers um, are exhibiting at Dunham Massey, which is a National Trust property just outside Ultracombe and the outskirts of Manchester. Um, they're demonstrating and exhibiting next weekend. I'm not going to be taking part in it, but there will be some spinners actually spinning there. So, you know, feel free if you see them to go and say hello. Um, you could tell them I sent you, but they wouldn't necessarily equate me with the podcast. So that, that wouldn't necessarily allow them to really understand <laughs> what it is you're saying i'm not even sure that they um are aware of what the podcast is i've not talked about it at all i mentioned it very briefly to one lady i was sat next to yesterday um and I've, i just don't tend to talk about it very much because i think people get a bit what are you on about but anyway 
that's next weekend at Dunham Matthey. So if you are around in the northwest area and you stop for something to do next weekend, I would strongly advise you going. Dunham Matthey is a lovely National Trust property anyway. Um, it's a really nice place to, to look around and uh, go and say hello. Then in June, we have Woolfest, um, which is across a Friday and Saturday at the end of June. Let me just check the dates because I've completely forgotten to write them down on my notes, which is really not very helpful. But it takes place on a Friday and Saturday um, towards the end of the, the week. It's the 24th and 25th, I think. Uh, I think that's a Friday and Saturday. Let me just check. I unfortunately won't be able to attend because I'm at a wedding in the other end of the country, um, which is a bit of a shame. Oh, so we, here we are, sorry, Friday the 25th and Saturday the 26th of June. It takes place at Mitchell's Lakeland Livestock Centre uh, near Cockermouth. Now, Cockermouth last year suffered some dreadful floods, absolutely awful, as it did an awful lot of Cumbria um, over the middle weekend of November last year. It was heart-wrenching. It's a beautiful little town, Cockermouth, and to see that the water was way past the ground floor windows and actually lapping at the first floor windows was quite... Um, oh, oh, it was just heartbreaking. There was so much devastation, and uh, I didn't actually know where the Woolfest would take place because the livestock centre... Um, where Woolfest happens was actually fine. That wasn't damaged by the floods. In fact, it was used by many of the locals um, as an emergency shelter. But obviously, people, not everyone wants to stay on the camping site. Um, over 4,000 visitors attend each year. Uh, and not everyone wants to camp. So lots of people want to use bed and breakfasts or hotels. And I don't know what state Cockermouth is in. So I was really desperate to get there this year. And... Um, Although I'm delighted to be attending the wedding that I am attending, uh, I'm quite sad to be missing um, Woolfest. Now, there's something for everyone there at Woolfest, reading out from the website here. Um, from fleece animals and rare breeds through fleece, tops, craft equipment and materials to finished clothing, accessories and unique handcrafted woolen goods. Stall holders are available to talk to visitors about their animals and their work and many will be demonstrating their skills. So from what I understand, um, having, like I say, I've, I've not attended, there is a huge emphasis actually on having animals attending. Um, I think I mentioned at Wonderwall there were some sheep but no alpaca this year. Whereas there's an awful lot of animals at uh, Woolfest. It's very much about the animals and the fleece. And it's really much more about the fleece and the spinning, I think, almost than the yarn. So I could be wrong. Like I say, I've not, I've not been. Um, I do know yarn sellers go uh, but I also know that spinners go um, there's a spin-in on the Friday night with a hot pot and tasty supper which always sounds brilliant good fun and uh, it it's just supposed to be amazing and supposed to be the best festival uh, of its kind in Britain um, so that's coming up at the end of June Friday the 25th and Saturday the 26th of June and if you know you are at a loose end towards the end of June and can't think what to do. The Lake District in June is lovely. Um, when I used to live there, some of the best times were there were in June. It was just, you know, the sun was out shining and it was out and it was lovely. The final thing that I want to talk about is the UK Knit Camp and Ravelry Weekend. Now, 
I meant I went to the UK Ravelry Day last year. It was in Coventry, um, which is in the middle Midlands, the middle of, of England, and it was dreadfully wet. Um, and the stalls were outside, um, so people were very very wet. And it's expanded this year. It's now going to be a weekend. Um, and it's actually taking place this time. It's taking place in Scotland, in Stirling, which is um, could well be sort of geographically centre of Scotland-ish. Um, my Scottish geography is not too hot. It actually comes, though, at the end of the first ever UK knit camp, which just... I'm so looking forward to it. I'm going. And it's it's just... I am so excited it's just unbelievable. It's going to take place at the university. There are many tutors um, offering classes, a whole host of, of different classes. I'm going to be taking four classes during the week. I'm going to be I'm I'm going to be such a fangirl. It's just it's just unbelievable. Um, I'm taking a full day course spinning with Laura Chow, who is cosmic Pluto. Um, I do believe. She says, I've gone totally blank on that. She's Cosmic Pluto, isn't she? Laura Chow? I think so. Oh, God, I'm going to be such an idiot. I am such an idiot. Anyway, um, it's all about spinning with a wheel. Um, so, now, when I booked up for it, obviously I'd never spun with a wheel. And I'm now wondering, you know, because it's Advanced Beginner Plus and it says you need some basic spinning experience um, with a wheel or a spindle. And have some idea of how to spin a single. Well, you know, I hope now that it's not, I'm not going to go beyond it. But interesting, you know, it it says learn some new tricks and techniques, including different drafting and plying techniques. Well, that's going to be pretty good. Um, mixing different fibres and different colours and how to spin with control. Well, <laughs> you know, I could do that, couldn't I? I could. I mean, at the moment, I'm spinning spider thread. So I really do need to work out how to spin thicker stuff. Um, and it says there'll be a variety of different fibres to play with, including some that you may have used before, for example, merino, and some more unusual fibres like bamboo. So it will be worth it for that because I won't have um, necessarily spun with that. So I'm quite, quite excited about that. I'm doing a full day lace design course with Miriam Felton, who is Mimnit. Um, and it's I'm just so looking forward to that. It's just, I mean, she designed the um, hide coat shawl, which is just beautiful. I just, I just love it. Absolutely lovely. And it's, it's design your own lace shawl. Uh, create a unique and one-of-a-kind lace piece, which to be proud. Bring graph paper, stitch dictionaries and a few ideas. So it's just, you know, how cool is that going to be? I've got a half-day course on illusion knitting with uh, Pat Ashford and Steve Plummer, who are Woolly Thoughts. Now, I'm not hugely, it's, it's, you know, I, I don't necessarily have a burning desire um, to do illusion knitting particularly, but um, I chose it as a replacement for a class that I'd booked on that was then cancelled. I have actually attended workshops with Pat and Steve before, and they are just brilliant. But I attended a workshop at a maths conference before I even was knitting again. In fact, it was it, they inspired me to pick up my needles again to an extent, although it took a year, almost a year after I'd seen them. But they are both maths teachers and 
their much of their work is based on um, geometric shapes and they make these big what they call math gans which are basically big mathematically based afghans and i just adore their work and i really really like um you know listening to them talk so although illusion knitting isn't something that i've necessarily thought about doing before um i think it's going to be quite interesting um to see how it works because i can't really work out what it's all about so i'm quite interested in that and um and just spending three hours with them anyway is just going to be really really interesting um as a little aside pat is well they're both lovely um but pat is particularly lovely when she found out that i was going to be um doing a handicrafts club at school um she very kindly sent me 10 brand new sets of children's needles to use with them because she said that you know they were no longer using them because they were no longer really going in and working in primary schools and how lovely was that to actually give me some needles so you know my children the, the children in my currently in my infant handicrafts club have just started to use them this last week so how lovely is that and then this is the bit that's going to be such a fangirl <gasps> God, I'm just going to be wibbling on. I, well, I'm probably not, am I? I'm just going to be struck. I'm going to be struck dumb. And I won't say anything meaningful. And I shall just go to pieces. But I am doing a photography workshop with Franklin Habit. Oh, how amazing is that? He's going to teach me how to photograph my yarn properly and make light boxes and stuff. And it's just... Oh, God. Because I, I know nothing. I know nothing about taking proper photographs i mean anyone who's looked at my ravelry pages will see that so i'm just so excited and i'm going to be such a fangirl and i'm just going to gibber quietly in the corner she's like useless so um you know that's the last one i'm going to do but there are loads of people attending um debbie tomkiss from dt crafts is there elizabeth lovick um annie modisette um goodwin johnson jared flood you know that's brooklyn tweed Lucy Neatby will be there um, taking classes, um, Nancy Bush, Nora Gorn, Sasha Kagan, Stephanie Jappel, um, Susan Crawford, who I interviewed after the Make, Do and Knit show, uh, Woolly Wormhead, Isolde Teague, you know, it's just, it's going to be so amazing, um, and I'm kind of treating myself to it as a uh, a kind of a whole holiday so it's going to take place at the University of Stirling in the middle of Scotland and I'm so very excited and then after it um, that's running from the Monday to the Friday the 9th to the uh, that would be the 13th wouldn't it of August um, and then on the Saturday and Sunday I think it's Saturday and Sunday it's the um, Ravelry weekend and again some of those people will be running more workshops on the day and there will also then be um a few people who aren't necessarily running workshops during the week will be doing things at the weekend um including um john dunn who is not the radio 2 producer uh, nor indeed the poet um but um is actually john from easy knits now the reason i highlight him is because coming up um, are two pieces of audio that I recorded two weeks ago at Wonderwall Wales. Three weeks ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago at Wonderwall Wales. Um, both of which meant to go in the Wonderwall Wales episode until I actually listened to them and realised that we'd talked not at all about Wonderwall, but everything about um, the UK 
knit camp and Ravelry weekend. So I thought that the better place for them would actually be in this episode. So that's precisely what I'm doing. First of all, you'll hear me interview Joe Watson, who is the driving force behind the entire adventure. Um, and then it will be an interview with John from Easy Knits, who is just so lovely. Such a lovely, lovely person to talk to. In fact, they, they both are. They're both lovely. So I shall leave you with those. I am now starting to actually count the weeks until the UK knit camp. I am tried really hard to stop myself getting too excited, but I actually think now I'm beginning to think about it that I am going to be so excited I'm going to burst. I will take the little audio recording equipment with me and I will take my laptop and I will try to get as much um, recorded as I can. Um, but quite frankly, please don't expect anything great from my workshop with Franklin because I'm just going to be too fangirly, I'm afraid. How sad is that? Anyway, thanks very much for listening. Don't forget the UFO competition. Um, let's put a, a closing date of Tuesday the 1st of June on that. Hopefully by the time I've managed to get this edited and out, that will give you at least a week. May everything on your needles go exactly the way you wish it to. Until next time. Bye-bye. I'm here with Joe Watson, who is the proprietor of Yarn Gathering and British Yarn, and the organiser of the this year's UK Knit Camp and the Ravelry Weekend that's taking place in Stirling in Scotland in August. So, Joe, how's it going? We're building up towards August. Are you beginning to get nervous, excited? Beginning. <laughs> um, it's kind of going really well, actually. Um, we've started now to sell out quite a few of the um, main tutors classes um, and yeah I don't know if excitement is the word right now but I'm it's just so nice it's been particularly nice today here at Wonderwall Wales to meet lots of people that are coming to the weekend um, and also coming to knit camp as well and all very excited and looking forward to the event and it's it's been really wonderful to be able to do something like this actually and to kind of take a really mad idea and hopefully make it come off really well well, I was quite interested actually as to where the idea came from. I attended the UK Ravelry Day last year yep. in Coventry, but I didn't book onto any of the, the workshops mm -hmm. um, and just enjoyed the atmosphere and the rain, may I say. <laughs> it was a little rainy that day, yes, wasn't it? Was. it? Yeah. Um, but it's quite a leap from a one-day meet-up with workshops to a full knit camp. So mm. how did that come about? How did it come about? It came about after a conversation with Meg Swanson, actually. Um, her mother, Elizabeth Zimmerman's um, 100th birthday, or what would have been her 100th birthday, is on the 9th of August 2010. Oh, and that's the first yeah. day that's of the knit camp. Exactly. And Elizabeth started a knitting camp um, herself, which Meg still runs every year, um, and they do it over four weeks um, in June and July in America. And I thought, rather silly, we should have something like that over here. So, I spoke to my husband about it and he told me I was mad, which of course I know. Um, and I just thought, we've got such an amazing culture here with our yarn crafts. We need to celebrate our history more. We need to learn more about um, passing on our skills to other people. 
Um, so that's kind of where it came about, really. Um, yeah, so there we go. <laughs> now, I must admit, I'm looking forward to it. I'm booked up for the whole week, yeah. um, and I'm booking onto all the available workshop space that I can do, so I've mm -hmm. not got any um, unscheduled slots, <laughs> which I may regret come Friday, because I may be utterly exhausted, but, uh, but I'm really looking forward to it. When you, you were looking looking at, at planning it you've obviously put some thought into providing extracurricular activities yes. as well yeah. um, so that's going to add to the whole experience it is the reason for the extracurricular activities is it's such an amazing place it's actually where my husband's from and it's such a beautiful beautiful place and I'm mindful of the fact we've got an awful lot of people traveling a very long distance um, including from as far afield as Australia um, to come to knit camp and I think that while they're there they should we should try and make a holiday of it for them as well so they get to see some of the local places so for example we're going on a whiskey tasting tour uh, we're going to the new Lanark Mill um, we're going to the beautiful Loch Katrine which is probably one of the most beautiful places in the world and I love these places and I'd like to share them with other people yeah yeah, I must admit, I, I think it's also lovely. I live in Cheshire currently at the moment, yeah. and it's actually really nice to have the opportunity to travel to different parts of Britain. Everything yeah. that people talk about is going to Ali Pali in London or going to Inet, and it's really nice that both for the Coventry Day last year and for this in Sterling, it's an opportunity to travel to different parts of Britain to yeah. see things that you wouldn't necessarily see. Well, I think, um, because obviously I know Scotland quite well, being married to a Scot, and I just think it's a shame that everything seems to be, not everything, because obviously we're here in Wales right now, but quite a lot of the major events that happen in the UK tend to happen in London, which is great, and it's ideal for you know people that can, tra people can travel easily to London, but I think it's nice if we try and spread things out a bit so not everything has to be in London not everything has to be in the centre of the UK and maybe if I'm mad enough to do this again we'll be travelling elsewhere across the UK so it doesn't necessarily stay in Scotland it doesn't necessarily stay in the Midlands it can go all over so it kind of splits it up for everybody because you know we're a geographic we're quite a large country um, and I just think that's a better way to do it really well I must admit I think it's fantastic I can't wait I'm sort of mentally marking the days off the calendar oh bless you so um, if any of the listeners want to find out more then the website is www.britishyarn.org.uk okay thank you joe thanks bye So I'm here now with John from Easy Knits, um, who uh, a company that I bought yarn from before in Plastic Fibre. I'm currently spinning um, some of their uh, Biffle and Tussle Silk, which is lovely, lovely, lovely. And Joe sent me over because John's actually teaching some classes at the UK Ravelry Weekend in August that's following on straight after from the Knit Camp. So, John, I know you can't tell me everything about some of the classes because some of them are a bit top secret at the yes, moment. Yes. But I've heard something about there being something to do with sushi rolls. So can you tell us, for the listeners, what are sushi rolls, apart from something Japanese that you eat? No, right. A sushi roll is a, it is a, a sheet of blank 
BFL yarn that I have machined it and I lay it on the I lay it down and I paint it like it's a canvas. I paint it like I'm painting a picture and and then you pull the loose thread from the end and you knit from it and you get a beautiful colour change or whatever you paint on it you will get transferred into your knitted garment. And at the Ravelry weekend I'm going to teach everybody how to paint these sushi rolls and hopefully come up with some great creations of their own. Oh wow, fantastic. So really focusing on the, the, the colour side of it. Yeah, it's, it's a way for people to use their yarn as a canvas. I, am, I love bright colours. Everything I do is shockingly bright colours and it's just a way for people to be expressive with their yarn when they're dyeing it. So I think it will be good fun and everybody will enjoy it and get messy and really come up with some great things. Okay, thanks a lot. You've been listening to Yarns from the Plain. Show notes and links are available at the Yarns from the Plain show page at yarnsfromtheplain.podbean.com. If you'd like to contact the show, you can leave a comment over there on the show page, or you can email me at yarnsfromtheplain at googlemail.com, or message me on Ravelry, where I'm Tales from the Plain. Until next time, take care, and thanks for listening. <laughs>